Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. Today, sharp end of research in IVF hinges around genetics. We know that IVF is not hugely successful on a cycle-by-cycle basis. It's a lot better than nature, but it's still by no means guaranteed that when you put an embryo back, it will be a pregnancy. A significant number of embryos that look under the microscope to be absolutely normal are in fact genetically abnormal, that nature has made a mistake. We believe that's the reason that natural conception in humans is so poor, is that many of the embryos that nature creates just are genetically wrong. And nature deals with that by not letting them implant, not letting them uh, get past 12 weeks of pregnancy, i.e. a miscarriage, so that rarely does a genetically abnormal baby get to term. Nature does a good job of screening. In the IVF lab, we don't believe we create more genetically abnormal embryos per egg fertilised than nature. But what, what we do know is that the numbers of embryos that are genetically abnormal rises rapidly once you get over the age of 35. So with the advent of of clever genetic machinery to test the genetics of a single cell, we are now able to know reasonably confidently that an embryo is normal or abnormal. The methods of doing that involve growing the embryo to a blastocyst, day five, taking six to ten cells from the embryo and sending them off for that genetic testing and getting a result. By not putting back an embryo, transferring an embryo that is genetically abnormal, we should 
increase the chances of a cycle being successful. And I use the word cycle meaning the transfer of an embryo. The data worldwide would support that. The clinics, certainly in the United States, where they're doing a lot of pre-implantation genetic testing on a vast majority of their patients, their pregnancy rates are extremely good. They're still not 100% because there's more than just the embryo's genetic makeup that determines success. But they are producing improvement. Data from Australia suggests the same, that in a group of patients whose normal pregnancy rates would be between 35 and 40% per embryo transfer, if you put back a, a genetically normal embryo, people are getting results of 50 to 60% per cycle. Again, still not 100%. Now that biopsy of the embryo has raised concerns. The first is how much do we damage an embryo by doing that to it. To do it, we use a laser to cut the shell of the egg to access the cells of the, of the blastocyst and the heat generated by that may damage other cells. So there is concern about damage to the blastocyst. Obviously, 6 to 10 cells doesn't sound very much, and it's not much compared, considering that at that point there are somewhere between 150 and 250 cells in the embryo, and that those cells that are taken are taken from what will become the placenta, not the baby itself. The other problems that have arisen from this testing is that because we are sampling just the placental cells, we may not be reflecting the embryo itself. And there now have been reports of abnormal, allegedly abnormal embryos being put back and normal babies being born. So that technique of biopsy has raised concerns. And so people are looking at other ways of getting the same answers in terms of the genetic makeup. And some recent publicity from Australia, and this is not unique to Australia, it's been done elsewhere in the world, is to take the fluid, the culture medium in which the embryo is growing, take a sample of that, and within that sample what has been found is remnants of the DNA of the embryo. And by piecing together those remnants using very clever mathematical computing models, the shed pieces of chromosome material can be put together and give a diagnosis in terms of normal or abnormal genetic makeup. It's probably not yet quite as specific as taking the biopsy, but clearly by not taking the biopsy and just using the fluid, it is non-invasive. We're not going to damage the embryo doing it. So studies need, still need to happen to see how much better it is. The other method that has also been reported in the last couple of years is that when a blastocyst is formed, it actually has inside it a fluid-filled area and that by sampling that fluid, it is possible also to find the free DNA, which can identify fetal abnormalities. So a fine, very fine needle is being injected into the the blastocyst, it's called, the fluid inside the blastocyst, and it's sucked out. You're not damaging any cells, you're just taking a little bit of the fluid, and the result produces a similar possibility of determining normality. However, it's still an invasive test, and no one yet knows what damage that may do, 
But on all those three fronts, things are advancing all the time. Claims of world first are, are appearing in newspapers, probably on a sensational basis rather than based on science. In Australia, there have been no studies published to prove one way or the other that one technique is better than the other. Internationally, they have, and while there's a lot of hope, there are some issues. We will wait and see whether these new ways of testing embryos produce even better pregnancy rates, but time will tell. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com, and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.